everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. In this week's episode, I'm joined with Carolina Payeras. Hi Carolina. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this episode and to hear a bit, a bit more about your journey. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, let's get straight into the quick fire round just so the listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Um, so we're going to start off with how old are you? I'm 17 years old. 17. And where do you currently train? I train at um, Virginia Dance Conservatory in um, Arlington, Virginia. Nice. Um, and what point shoes do you wear? I wear Capizio Avas. Oh, I think that is the first pair of Capizios I've had on the podcast. Oh, first yeah. po- Capizio wearer. Really interesting. Yeah. I get a lot of freeds. Mm. Um, had a few Grishko, a few Block, a few Gaynors, but I think that's her first Capizio. Interesting. Yeah. It took me a while to figure out what my shoe was, but I've been wearing Capizios for the past um, many years, actually. So, yeah. Okay, I love nice. Them. I mean, whatever works for you is what's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and what's your favorite leotard? Um, that I own. Yeah. Oh. I you think. can go into as much detail because I'm a leotard oh. fanatic, so I'll be like, yeah, <laughs> an addiction. Um, I, I, uh, I have this this Yumiko that I love. That's like mm-hmm. a lilac um, with like a gray trim, like spaghetti strap, mm-hmm. and it's like my. I think I've worn it to a bunch of my auditions that you can wear whatever color you want. So it's mm-hmm. like my favorite like audition leotard, and I love it. Nice. Yeah, so. Is it? One of the strappy ones with like a yeah, it's got like a crisp back, like a okay. little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I might know which one it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a few that kind of are kind of similar, but okay, nice. We love any Yumiko. Um, yeah. And what is your favorite piece of choreography you've either danced or you've seen? Oh wow, um, <laughs> I I think with for classical ballet. Um, I, my favorite piece that I've danced, I think I had a, a, like in terms of variations, my favorite one has been Giselle act one, I think. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, last summer I was really lucky to be able to dance the Willies from Giselle in the core. And that was just amazing. And, oh, what else for contemporary? I recently, oh, a piece that I loved was uh, by Mimo Mikolis um, at a, a gala that I that I went to um, called Three R's. It was amazing. And oh, what else? Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably one of the most those most recent ones mm-hmm. uh, that I've seen that I absolutely loved. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, nice. Um, I love Giselle. Beautiful mm-hmm. music. Um, I love the core. This, yeah, I love completely. Yeah, get that. Um, and what is your favorite food? Oh, 
Wow. Um, so <laughs> I think, I don't know if I have a specific dish, but I, I like certain cuisines. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Peruvian cuisine. I'm actually half Peruvian. Mm-hmm. So um, just any, any Peruvian dish. Nice. And I also love Ethiopian food. Ooh, Oops. yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of great Ethiopian restaurants in um, in DC where I where I live. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think I don't know. Like, I feel like we need. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I love a good independent restaurant that does food that isn't your. I don't know, like the standard food that you might get at a chain restaurant, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. it's always really nice to support independent people that are probably like either like second or third generation for example Ethiopian or Peruvian or like Thai anything um is always so nice to kind of yeah. like yeah and I love getting to connect to like my own cultural foods and yes that's the, right. yeah, yeah I could imagine that make that's like a really nice feeling yeah. um Okay, going on to your journey with dance, how did you get into dance? Were you just doing ballet or multiple styles? Um, and kind of what did your early years in dance look like before deciding, okay, I want to try and pursue this a bit more professionally? Yeah, so I started when I was three. Mm-hmm. I was super young. And I think for, for my third birthday, I got like a leotard, a pair of pink tights and a pair of ballet shoes Mm -hmm. and so I I started that school year and I loved it and um yeah it was just something that I kept loving you know I think a lot of a lot of people start doing ballet when they're super young and then they eventually like drop out and or try other sports and it was just like a constant I never I never wanted to leave it Mm -hmm. and so I I just kept going and I went to a pretty like small local studio um, and it was very convenient, um, but the teachers were great and they were sort of growing. I, I sort of grew up with the studio as a business because I think when I started going there, it was only like a few, like some years old, like maybe four years old. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've, I've been there as they've uh, expanded into new buildings and as they've grown as a mm-hmm. business. And I actually stayed there until COVID hit, where unfortunately they I they had to close mm-hmm. um, forever. And I was really distraught by that because I made my all my best friends there. Um, yeah. my teachers became my mentors. And I, I loved it there and it wasn't like, you know, a super professional school, mm-hmm. but I thought that the teaching quality was great and my friends were there and I thought that at least for what I wanted to get out of it, it was perfect enough for me and it was super close to my house. Mm-hmm. And um, especially considering I was still going to school, like it would be difficult to go to somewhere that was a, a very long commute out because all the time I had was very valuable. Mm-hmm. So I stayed there for a while and I loved it. And, um, and then when COVID hit, it closed down, but my two main teachers, um, along with help with some of the parents of my friends, um, but mainly it was them and they did a tremendous job and they were able to open their own studio, which is where I go now. And so they are the co-founders and directors of it. And I got to stay with all my friends and keep training with my teachers who I love so much. And now 
it, you know, it's still pretty, it's a pretty small studio, but the quality of the training is really good. And I guess, you know, when I was younger and pe more people did it, it, it was like, I guess a hobby, but I did really love it. And then I think I wanted to pursue it more professionally. Um, when I went to like my first summer intensive when I was 11 and mm -hmm. I met a lot of people there, that was the first time I met people that were doing ballet full time. And the first experience I'd had of doing just ballet all day, all the time. And I absolutely loved it. And I, and then I was like, wow, like, I think this is for me. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to stick with it mm -hmm. and, um, put more hours into training and start uh, just really focusing on it as the one thing I wanted to do. Cause I think I had tried like soccer for a bit and um, just for fun really. And, um, but when I, when I realized that I, it was something I really loved and something that I wanted to pursue professionally, I, I decided to focus all my attention onto it mm -hmm. and um, just, it sort of shifted my mindset into um, obviously still enjoying class, but making mm -hmm. the most of every correction and every class and, mm -hmm. you know, putting your best foot forward every time. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I mean, it's, there sounds like there were some points that must've been like really difficult. Um, and I can't, I mean, actually I'm, I'm like, Oh, I can't imagine if my school closed, but I can, cause that did happen to me, but after I'd left. So Oh. I do, I I can understand there would have been a little bit of a grieving process for all the mm -hmm. memories that you'd made there, especially from like such a young age. Absolutely. Um, but it's really good that you were eight, like the two, like two of your very, like main teachers, I'm assuming like they were yeah. your main teachers. You've been able to continue training with them and they've set up their own place because I don't know, there's something so special about having teachers that kind of stay with you from like childhood to like a young adult before mm -hmm. kind of going off and I wish I had that but I moved country and moved schools so many times that I haven't I don't know like I haven't had someone from the very beginning that seen me progress um mm -hmm. and I look back I'm like oh like it would be really nice to have someone and then like, like you go back to them and they're they've kind of been there since day one and been you know so supportive of your journey and they know what works for you in terms of like teaching styles or just like they know how to get the most from you um and I think yeah that's something that's so special about working with someone for so many years is that they understand you and you understand them mm -hmm. yeah ab absolutely I think that's something that I've I've like cherished so much in mm -hmm. my all my years of training and I feel so lucky that even after um the you know, the disaster that COVID caused that I was still able to stick with my teachers because they absolutely, I mean, they've, they, yeah, I mean, they've known me forever. And yeah. um, there's just a really special connection that I've shared with them and mm -hmm. just like a really deep understanding between us. And I love, I love that they've seen me grow and, and develop as an artist and mm -hmm. as a, you know, as a dancer. And and yeah, they're more than my teachers. They're, they're my mentors. And, um, especially as I've, as I've, you know, as I've gotten older and I've taken the becoming a professional more seriously. Mm -hmm. And because I do go to a small school, like no one, I, no one has 
has graduated and become a professional dancer like immediately mm. or or you know done that most people have gone to college or went or had to move to a different school, school. To, mm. to pursue that and so I was kind of when it came to wanting to apply to professional uh, programs or companies I was a bit lost and you know I I wasn't exactly sure how to go about it so my coach became absolutely just my mentor on how to do all of the applications and um, like gave me tips and everything that I know came from her. So um, she has been absolutely just a, such an enormous figure in my life. Mm. And, and I've known her for so long that she's, yeah, she's really just seen me grow up as just a human being in general. And, um, and yeah, so she's my coach when I have, like when I do competitions and, and she's also my teacher and I've just learned so much from her. And so I really value um, having that connection with my teachers. Yeah. Mm, yeah. No, that's nice. And I think it is, it can be really, it can be really positive if I guess in the right environment and it sounds like you've got that right environment, which is good. Um, yeah. So I guess moving on to a more professional, I guess, route. Um, mm. So what sort of things are like, what, <laughs> I guess how does it work because if you're so you're 17 and you're kind Mm -hmm. of at a smaller school and you're looking I mean I ask this as someone who has never lived in the states um and I know a lot of the listeners will literally I mean every time I have a new person on like everyone's gone down a different route which I love um Mm -hmm. so kind of but essentially for people that might be a little bit confused what's the next step or what are you looking at as your next step um, from where you are currently training? Yeah, so right now I have been looking at sort of trainee programs mm-hmm. and um, I I also, I've auditioned for some second companies, but that was sort of like the reach, especially, you know, coming f- from a smaller school and not having as much like performance experience and not having been training as full-time. Mm-hmm. I... I decided to audition for some second companies and, but mainly trainee programs, um, just to like shoot my shot, I guess. Mm, And I, I kind of just, you know, I made an audition video and I sent it to a bunch of places and I, I I wasn't expecting much from the just straight up professional companies, especially, um, because a, maybe they take more from their own school Mm -hmm. or they want someone with more experience, Mm. um, been in these trainee programs Mm -hmm. so coming out of doing this hybrid of ballet at a smaller school and doing full IB I could understand why they would want someone with more hours and more experience for a paid position Mm so I understood that and I still sent out my application but um and there was one time I I did fly out for my very first company audition, it was just an open call. Mm-hmm. There were so many, so many people there mm. and I had no idea what to expect. And it was one of the auditions where you, um, they like cut people after bar and okay. then like yeah. after every few exercises sort of thing. Well, actually I thought it was going to be, but it was, they had two groups mm-hmm. and then they, uh, I think there was like 150 people there 
Oh, wow. And <laughs> and they they around eighty total, and then okay. the sixty that were left got to do all of center. Um, and so I made still a lot. I did get that. Woo! Uh, and that was the. I mean, I wasn't expecting to get the job, and I you know I didn't because there were seasoned professional dancers there. Mm. Uh, honestly, I just was so thankful for the experience, mm. and that was I think a really good. Uh, a really valuable time to just see what it's like to just go to one of these huge open call auditions mm-hmm. and really just have nothing to lose. Mm. But I think, yeah, so I've been looking at these at trainee programs. I applied to some and um, I have some options for next year. I'm not exactly I sure, <laughs> uh, but I'm really excited uh, because I mean, balancing school and ballet for so long mm-hmm. is pretty training and this whole time you know I've I've really been wanting to just dedicate myself completely to dance and you know not have to juggle these um two really big responsibilities yeah of course so I'm, I'm so excited um so yeah I was mainly looking at trainee programs that have um opportunities to work with the company mm-hmm. that are usually still part of the school um but you get to work with the company sometimes you get shoes depending mm-hmm. on if you're in shows mm-hmm. and you get opportunities to work with the artistic staff um and and be in oftentimes they'll use you for snow and flowers and nutcracker mm-hmm. maybe some other core parts um especially because if the company itself is smaller and who knows someone's injured they can bring in a trainee mm-hmm. and it's it's really great resume building so yeah at least in the states a lot of times if you go to a bigger ballet school that maybe feeds into the company then or the second company mm-hmm. then that's more of a of a path that you could take mm-hmm. or um or you just you know go auditioning for other companies yeah um but i yeah i sort of decided to shoot my shot at a, a couple different uh levels i mm-hmm. guess um, but i think trainee a trainee program or that sort of pre-professional training Mm -hmm. um, is really good for me, especially to just focus on Mm. without, I don't want to call school a distraction, but without Mm. the running. Of course you have, you can get home that day. Like, um, yeah, that those thoughts and just focus a hundred percent on the ballet. Mm. And especially like in terms of, refining your technique in a way that once you get to said professional level you Mm. can reduce your risk of injury you are more experienced you can pick up choreography quicker just all of those valuable skills um Mm. are really a good thing for me to focus on next year Mm. um so yeah that's that's been my personal Mm. yeah no and it's so interesting because it is so different everywhere in the world and like from just person to person um like everyone's journey is so different and I that's something that I love kind of just talking about on the podcast because it's going to be different for everybody um but I guess going back to the fact that you are in school like you're mm-hmm. in high school in college high school what do you call high what do you call it high school high yeah. school yeah you're in high school um it just I don't know <laughs> I'm <just> like confused <laughs> obviously it's not college oh. is it no Oh, I guess in the UK you do call it college at seventeen. I think it's God only. I'm, 
my last year of high school. You're in your so. last year of high school, so you're graduating mm-hmm. soon. Um, yeah. I guess going into just like taking a few steps back, what have been some challenges or just some things that you found difficult um, with juggling high school and dance and progressing, you know, trying to get to that level of being ready to audition for like trainee programs and have you been competing yeah I've not like but yeah a little bit here and there a little bit yeah yeah and yeah managing that alongside school isn't always the easiest thing um so Hmm. how did you (laughs) I can imagine so what what's that been like for you so I I guess I started doing dance very intensely Mm -hmm. or intensely enough to be like you know pre-professional training or training and I or I guess I felt the weight of the balancing of school and dance starting in like middle school ish maybe Mm -hmm. like second half of middle school and for me at least that meant not as much of a social life mm-hmm. um like of course I had the friends but it was it was like you know if someone was having a sleepover or someone wanted to go somewhere after school it was like sorry I can't like you know I have to go to dance because you go to dance and then any other time you have is spent doing homework mm-hmm. so you have to budget your time really well and it just comes down to time management mm-hmm. and being very efficient with the time that you do have mm-hmm. is definitely the most valuable skill that I've gotten out mm-hmm. of this. You, you know, you have these little pockets of time. It's like, okay, between I, when I get home and then when I start getting ready, it's like you, you sit down and you knock some assignments out. Mm-hmm. And I think just the, ex- the exhaustion of that was, was a bit difficult mm. to manage um, especially cause I, I would try hard at school. Mm-hmm. So I, I would spend a good amount of time on my school assignments. Yeah. Going into high school, the workload was a lot more, mm-hmm. but also the ballet as I was getting older. And that's when I started competing more. Mm-hmm. And especially I think in the fall was very hard because we would be preparing for competition and Nutcracker and school for some reason, I find it's harder in the fall Mm. and those were just hectic times I think (laughs) just a lot of late nights and Mm. sleeping in the car and um or doing homework in the car was a lot of that Mm -hmm. and that was I think what just kept me going was just how much I loved to do ballet and also that my best friends I dance with so going to ballet was also a time to see my friends and be with them mm-hmm. um so I think in terms of uh like I I wasn't super like isolated or anything I was still with my friends yeah that's really that, good that made it a lot easier mm. and I think what it really hit me was when I started the IB diploma in junior year so uh last year um that was a whole nother whole nother beast because the full IB diploma is just, I, I mean, I can't even describe it. It's, it's so much, but of course I knew that these were my last two years before mm-hmm. I want 
to go off and do something professionally with ballet as a lot of um, either training programs or second companies, Mm -hmm. they want those fresh 18 year olds or like, or when you're young, 18, 19, 20. And I realized that I had to work equally as hard at, at school and ballet. And so I think that one thing that was different though, was that was during COVID. Mm-hmm. And so I did much, I did probably half of my junior year online from, or virtually. And I was dancing, thankfully in, in person because my studio was so small that we were, it was safe enough to do with masks on and, and checking temperatures and everything. Mm-hmm. We were able to keep that going. Um, but I, it was difficult in that I just felt like I was being pulled in two different directions Yeah. with COVID and dancing at home was obvious is obviously so different than dancing in the studio yeah and I think coincidentally that's also when I started uh realizing my academic interests Mm -hmm. that were just completely separate from ballet Mm -hmm. and I think that was definitely a good thing because it made me realize that if if uh, you know I suffered an injury or if I got burnt out from ballet I knew that I had something else that I was still passionate about. Yeah, that's really good. But then I think doing the IB and doing the workload, mm-hmm. um, I think you, you sort of get used to it mm-hmm. and um, you just sort of do what you have to do. You uh, make use of all the time you have. Mm. And I think the hardest part for me was the fall of, this year, the fall of my senior year, applying mm-hmm. to college, because also no one in my school, in my high school, which is actually a pretty small school, mm. go even has the idea of going like professional dancing. Like that's yeah. that's just a thing. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, and it's a very academically rigorous high school, yeah. so the college process in itself doing that alongside ballet and getting ready to send material out I think emotionally that was just a lot because I didn't really know what was going to happen with college because I applied early um and but audition season doesn't start until like January February Mm. so I wasn't sure what was going to happen with college and if I was going to get into anywhere um, any of these trainee programs that I wanted to go to mm. um, and I, the IB is just a lot it, it's very very demanding mm-hmm. and it, it did take a toll on me emotionally I think and just mentally mm-hmm. trying to balance something that I loved which is ballet and I just wanted to dedicate all of myself mm-hmm. to yeah. but I I had grown up going to this school and I really valued the education that it gave me. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to complete the IB diploma, especially because I was still very unsure what was going to happen mm-hmm. with dance. And thankfully, because I had the academic interests that I had discovered, I, wa- I still wanted to apply to a regular university. Mm. And so I think that's, that kept me going in terms of keeping up both 
uh, responsibilities at a high yeah. level. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so this year I applied to college and just the United States college process is brutal and mm. so unnecessarily brutal. Um, and it's more than just the essays. It's the emotional aspect that goes into it of the anticipation and um, your your peers also being uh, anxious about mm. results and the super competitive colleges that get so many applications. And it's just, there are so many qualified applicants and it becomes a bit of a lottery at some point, you know, yeah. that you, there's so many good people. And that I think was also um, difficult to deal with as, I think there was just a lot up in the air yeah, in, in terms of ballet and school. And yeah. that I think was the hardest to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, gosh, it's just pretty, it's just stressful, like full stop. It's a stressful process applying for, you know, yeah, for applying for colleges and applying for training programs. Um, Yeah, it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to think about. Um, I can't imagine because I know when I, I left school at 16, so I finished my GCSEs and then I like I feel like I'm, I'll, I'll be listening to people's stories and they're like oh yeah I applied for like 10 uh, well in America I know there's so many options of places to train um I guess in like when it comes to trainee programs second companies I don't know how many applications you sent off I'm sure it was more than like I don't know how do you know how many applications you sent off well I oftentimes each application wasn't some of them were just um kind of vague they were like here's some materials and thankfully a lot of them were actually the same materials okay, so yeah. you one video and just kind of send it out into cyberspace and hope that something would come back yeah but it was I did send out a lot and I traveled a lot for okay. audition and did you oh I'm just gonna interview just oh, um that's okay did you have to pay to send any materials off I did you did and and my family had to pay for the plane tickets and the hotel rooms to go <laughs> audition. And um, I mean, also the competitions that I did were mm. kind of auditions as well because yes. they the yeah. were people that could give you scholarships. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the registration fees for those and the travel expenses were a lot. So I did try and not do everything in person. I mm-hmm. tried to compile a video that I was really happy with and send it virtually to a lot of uh, mm-hmm. places that I really loved, but mm-hmm. uh, especially ones that were very far that were not feasible for me to go and mm-hmm. travel. But, um, it, and I think that <laughs> January through March, I traveled almost every weekend Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily by plane all the time, mm-hmm. but I was away from home a lot, wow. um, whether for an audition or for a competition. And that was just kind of tiring mm. because I would spend this weekend out and be going, you, I mean, not auditions, you're going 150%, you're exhausted. Mm. And then you come back and you have a week of school of um, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Yeah. Very class and Mm. your regular training as well Mm. and I just the 
I mean, without even counting the exhaustion of the auditions, it's the travel. Travel really knocks you out. Yeah, it does. So, um, yeah, I that was expensive (laughs) to to do that, and a couple of places even online made you pay. Yeah, when you. But I, I think the one place that did make me pay, it was so that it was guaranteed to be seen mm-hmm. by the artistic director because sometimes you send these videos out and you don't know who's going to see them oh, if they're absolutely hiring. So tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get so, that. I mean, yep. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean, you know all about yeah. that. <laughs> no, I get I that. Like I completely relate. You don't necessarily lose anything. Mm. Um, but you're always like refreshing your email and seeing oh. if something's back. <laughs> Especially with COVID, you mm-hmm. never know like what the company's like, how many positions are even open or if mm. they're even. Um, and I mean, COVID has just rocked the job market so much. I mean, of course, yeah. I think every, all the entire dance world knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's why I, I tried to keep my expectations low and mm-hmm send to places that were free so that I wouldn't lose too much Mm -hmm. but thankfully I think the competitions at least were as well as an audition a good performance experience Mm -hmm. for me because unfortunately that last year for the past two years I haven't done a nutcracker Mm. and just because it hasn't been able to happen with the restrictions and Mm. um it being just hard to find a venue Mm. so at least the competitions were a good way for me to get some performance experience in, mm. which was so valuable. And just time on stage, which I missed so much. And when I did these competitions, I was very grateful for that time on stage. Yeah. Um, so in terms of just handling all the auditions and all the applications, I think the thing that I felt the most was the traveling Yeah. and um, all of the work and the preparations and then the coming back and all of that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I really relate, but it's it's so interesting Um, because I think when, so when I was 16 and I was auditioning for schools to like train full time, I I only auditioned for four (laughs) and I feel like some people are going to laugh because like there'll be like, I'm sure you sent off your application for more than four. I literally sent it to four places Um, because I mean, the way training seems to work in the UK is very different to the US um I'm pretty sure now all our upper schools that start at 16 like the three years that you do 16 to 19 before graduating um have a degree alongside it Mm -hmm. so that means you do a degree in like dance and performance so you have like modules and you got to like write dissertations um and what that allows is dancers to so essentially it's university at 16. So it's the three years of university and you get government funding for that. Um, so what that means is that you are able to get a loan from the government to train in ballet um, and you come out with a degree, which is great. But when I auditioned, I think there was only four out of, I don't know how many schools I don't know. Yeah, I think all of them now have government funding, but the four I applied for was ones that had government funding because otherwise my parents would have had to come out with God knows how much, like like a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, And that wasn't a position we were in to do. So that's 
I just find it so interesting. Um, and I always wonder like, what, what would have I done if I was in another country where the whole audition system is completely different? Um, mm-hmm. like I just, it, I find it so fascinating. Um, and yeah, I'm sure I, that's something kind of, I hope, like I love talking about on the podcast because I know I've listens from like there's listens from everywhere. Some people are going to be in the UK, some people are going to be in the US, some people in Australia, some people in like I don't know Zimbabwe, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just crazy. Like there's there's such like a difference in the way that like the process of like the lead up to getting that contract, like the way mm. each system does it is complete is quite different um and I don't know I just find it fascinating there was something else but like I really like I similar to you in the sense that when like the audition season and then coming along with like school and it's difficult because I think I had all my exams at that time like we kind of have our auditions in March um Mm. February March um in the UK for like upper school and that kind of was clashing we have then GCSEs which uh, we do at 16 um and that's a it's tough (laughs) yeah it's not a fun experience having to like commute to different cities um and then be like oh I've got to be in school on Monday morning and I've got to I don't know I've got an exam like a national exam in a week um it's just so much pressure to be under so you know yeah and gosh, I mean, you were mentioning the government funding. Oh, how nice it would be. The arts were, you know, government supported. <laughs> um, that's, yeah. And I think in terms of like also the paths in the US are very different from dancer to dancer because yeah. people will get the job right at 18. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And some people, it, yeah, may not get a, yeah. a job much later and it's it's hard especially thankfully um I feel really lucky to have been able to get some scholarships Mm. um to ease with the um you know the expenses Mm. uh, of my training next year but it's also like I mean same thing with college in the U.S. it's so ridiculously expensive and um with these super expensive schools and super competitive schools they have financial aid of course Mm. but um it's really hard to get merit scholarships too because they're like everyone's like Mm. you would have to I don't even know (laughs) like they don't oftentimes some do Mm. uh a lot of a lot of like private universities that are super expensive don't but mm. thankfully they um financial aid mm. uh, but it's still you never know what your financial aid package is going to be so yeah. oftentimes people um can't go to their dream school because they, yeah, they just can't afford it and that mm. is a huge issue in the u.s with mm. um with uh you know higher education yes and yeah, yeah and just in ballet as well um without government support Mm. has been really difficult for companies and for schools Mm. to handle financially 
Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah. And, but I, I think it's kind of interesting because I, when you were talking about applying to four schools um, and I applied to more than four, it, it's kind of parallels, I think, the college application process because in the US, people apply to like 20 schools. Mm. And each, I mean, that's expensive too because each application is like yeah. 75. Well, that's the thing. We had to overhear every application you do pay, like every, like, I'm pretty sure most people will get invited from application to the audition. I can't remember, but you did mm-hmm. have to pay like, it's like 50 pounds between like 40 and 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. So that's like a hundred dollars per yeah, audition. That's- it's like, well, if I'm applying for 10, that's I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Um, but I think what's also nice is a lot of people from my school apply to UK schools. Through oh, okay. UCAS. Yeah. Yes, um, through UCAS. I- yeah. 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 Because I go to an international school. Mm-hmm. So, oh, um, yeah, so a lot of people like to apply to UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a bit different of a process than the US. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And I like, I think it's kind of, it's different because at least for my school, they give you like the conditional offers based on your, and then they'll either accept or reject you based on your IB exam scores. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for, us you you just get in and your ib scores don't really matter um but yeah the us process is just brutal and i'm sure in the uk it's also grueling mm-hmm. as well yeah um, but uh but yeah i guess in just terms of like the number of of places sensitive to and i i'm glad that a lot of the places that i sensitive to were free because mm. um, that yeah I mean I'm sure that would rack up a lot I would not have applied to as many places as I did if mm. if they were all not free yeah it's I think is another thing is just like well the UK is a whole I didn't apply for any schools outside of the UK but I know I'm seeing that's become more and more popular um for dancers to apply for schools in Germany or you know the Netherlands or even France um oh my god like so many like i I have listeners that have are like trained in the UK, but then will go off to Europe to go to do their vocational training, which I find really interesting. And I look back and I think, oh, like if I'd known about, like I had no idea. Like <laughs> I was, because I, for me, um, like my whole ballet journey, not that it started super late, but I didn't get serious until I was 14. And even when I was 16 and applying, like, I was so out of the loop. Like I hadn't, I'd never done a summer school before. I didn't, I literally was like, I don't know what ballet, like I, I wasn't part of ballet culture. And I've talked about this in a recent episode about this whole ballet culture that kind of like, it's not about like, oh, if you're in it versus if you're not in it, but there was a lot of things I didn't understand about it because I hadn't done, you know, hadn't done summer schools, hadn't learned any repertoire before. I hadn't, I didn't know that they, you could go and train outside of the UK as a UK person at 16. Like I, and I didn't know the whole thing of a school and it being connected to a company and how like that's actually, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of actually want that because it will give you that. It will, it will, it can be really helpful. Like I, there was all these things I literally was super clueless about, um, which I laugh at, but at the same time, it's fine. And I don't think it's the end of the world, but I think, yeah to educate yourself is gives you more power um mm-hmm. um so 
yeah so in the UK there's not a lot of schools to train at I would say I want to say there's like maybe not even 10 in the whole country so but Mm. most people there's like a top six top well no not top there's like a top four and then it like becomes a six and then it becomes an eight and then you kind of will go where I I don't it's really hard to explain there'll be like first rounds and then you'll be invited two weeks later or four weeks later to the final round and then yeah it's just like all this stuff um and then it becomes like a thing of like oh yeah I got to the finals of this school but I didn't get in like I it it always makes me laugh that's like oh yeah I got to the finals like even I laugh at myself because I'll be like oh yeah I got to the finals of this school but I'm like well you didn't get in (laughs) like it's literally like why are you talking about it you didn't get yeah and it's it's an achievement but I yeah it's, I remember. it's it just makes me laugh at like 16 it's like it doesn't <laughs> like <laughs> it makes me chuckle at my younger self but I guess of course it's an achievement it's not yeah yeah I remember I was I when I was starting this process I was I was thinking about applying to some places abroad mm-hmm. uh, and I think I didn't end up doing it just because uh like out of more convenience for my family mm-hmm. where ev- even though I would absolutely love to live to dance in Europe and like um just in oh my gosh in like the Netherlands or in the UK uh or in like oh Denmark would be mm. uh or you know I mean there's so many places mm. and thought about applying abroad um but but yeah I guess and so when I looked into that I saw like the final round thing and mm. um, also I think some of the dates conflicted with some of school some important school exams mm. um, but but yeah yeah it's definitely a very different process some of the some of the bigger ballet schools like the really really top ballet schools mm. in the U.S. have something similar to that mm. like I think San Francisco had that. Mm. Um, but yeah, most of the time it's just sort of a one, one and done type thing, or they'll have you to the summer and then you're considered. For yeah. You. Okay. Mm. I feel like, I mean, I understand the whole thing of a final round. I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of times in ballet where it, things are kind of like lengthened out for no reason in the sense that mm-hmm. like, you know, when you see someone dance, as an artistic director, you you already know, like do you know what I mean? Like it's like when people are casting yeah. for people, you already know why mm-hmm. are you making someone come back? Like you could probably tell the first time they do an exercise if you like them or not. Okay, might take a bit longer right. to get to know them if you want to work with them, whatever. But do you know what I mean? Like to do a bath yeah. us once and then to come it's back in two weeks to do another one. What are you getting like what? Right. <laughs> For the dancer, it's just like, I mean, I can imagine it's so like mentally exhausting, emotionally exhausting because you're put through the ringer so many times. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine what that, what that feels like. Mm. Um, But, but yeah. And uh, like, even, even in the U S I think with like the, on the road to becoming a professional, like Mm. sometimes it takes people so, or like, people will stay in either graduate programs or these trainee for a while or have to jump around between mm. unpaid positions and that's tough I, for a lot of people that that's not affordable no. like you you can't 
um, even if you do have like financial support from your parents, like that's like, it's just not feasible. And it's, it's difficult when you have to make a decision at some point, because mm-hmm. obviously everyone that's pursuing professional ballet loves ballet and wants to do it, but, mm-hmm. and you would never want to like give up on your dream, but mm-hmm. at a certain point you have to just like make a decision. And that's, I guess in in terms of like my auditions this year, I wanted to get a feel for if this was something that I could realistically go professionally into. And Mm -hmm. because if not, I had my other academic interests Mm -hmm. that are much more stable lifestyle as Mm. parents love to tell me. Um, So like clearly going the traditional route to college and then getting a stable job has so many merits to it and it's important to know like going into audition season and seeing the results like if you are having a lot of success then that's a good indication but if you're not then like it may not that you have to give up right away of course because things take time sometimes Mm. but it's just that I mean ballet financially is such a hard lifestyle I mean all dancers know that but that Mm -hmm professionally is financially a very hard thing mm. um, and especially coming from my family who we don't have professional artists or um, musicians or mm-hmm. performers that I didn't really have an example to lead by except for my teacher yeah my family um they they're super supportive of me mm-hmm. and they are the best and but also you want to watch out for your child um and you know make sure that they can make a make a living and mm-hmm. make and have a stable lifestyle and so I'm so thankful for my parents being supportive of my dance journey and choosing not to go to college next year and pursue dance professionally um but I know that like it's super important for for I think everyone to know if it's something that you you realistically have a chance at because there's other paths to happiness you know even if your first love is professional dance there's always I think something else that can make you happy as well mm-hmm. that in just for case by case absolutely could. um I mean, I completely agree. And I think there's something, I want to say there's something a bit fishy about the fact that there's just so many trainee programs. Like I, <laughs> um, I don't know, like, some, I, I don't know if this is going to be like controversial in a sense, but there's just so many. And I wonder, I, like, I know for a lot of companies, that's actually like quite a big source of income is mm-hmm. having a trainee program or um what like what's an, and then or like a pre-professional program great mm-hmm. experience it like it can it has absolutely has its pros not saying that it doesn't um but I think there's a lot of times where they will take people who maybe actually don't I mean I'm gosh <laughs> I don't want this is how I don't know how to make this sound but like you were saying, kind of realizing that, like, is it realistic 
for you but without it being like oh okay like you know we don't no one wants to crush anyone's dreams no one wants to say it's not possible because there is always the there's there's the underdogs there's always underdogs people that maybe are kind of not really looked upon um that make their way um and we love that but at the same time I do I don't know like there's a lot of smaller companies in the states there's a lot of smaller trainee programs I think this I'm sure like as someone I haven't done many open auditions I've done a few in Europe um but I tend I try to stay away from them just because I I mean you pay well do you pay for them it's just a lot I don't know obviously it's a lot better to get invited to things because Mm -hmm. then you'd rather be in an audition with 30 people if you can rather than like 300 or 200 right of course um so I'm sure I mean you've I don't know what that looks like in the states and I'm sure it would be very interesting to see when you have a lot of people I'm sure you saw multiple like different completely variant in standards Mm -hmm. did you yeah I mean, at, at the open audition? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there were seasoned professional, like much older people mm-hmm. there who had running contracts and were like, were completely um, experienced professionals. And then there were other people with much less experience. And of course, like the level, like skill level was different and mm-hmm. But I think once they once they made the the first like the cuts, cut yeah. Yeah. that shortened. Um, I just wanted to go back to what you were talking about the trainee programs. That is definitely an issue. I think like mm-hmm. some companies do find out it's a source of income, mm-hmm. and so I try to look at trainee programs critically from that yeah. angle mm-hmm. and look at ones that kind of have a cap, like that you don't just stay in forever like one that I hope to get into after I do the summer program and um thankfully I I got a scholarship to the summer program Mm -hmm. and I'm so excited to go it's maximum a two-year program so Mm -hmm. so you can't hang about yeah yeah right so they don't string you along which Mm -hmm. is nice Mm -hmm. and um some of the other ones are like there is a like there's a cap there's a time that you either become a professional or you choose another path. And mm-hmm. I tried to steer clear of ones that I had heard rumblings or I okay. knew people yeah. been there for years and years and years. And oh my God. It's yeah. <laughs> that sounds yeah. It's re I mean the age ranges for it depends on if they cap out or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and the training programs I was looking at were ones that are pretty much feeders into the company. Yeah. Like that they explicitly say or demonstrate that that is where they take m- most of their dancers from. Mm-hmm. And that was really important for me to look at when mm-hmm. deciding where to go. Cause you're right. I mean, you don't want to get sort of, taken advantage of mm. and especially because they are two programs so I completely agree with you that some companies probably you know they pick a few people from these trainee programs but unfortunately the vast majority may um 
get it's not as beneficial for them yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah so when I was looking at training I, I had that in mind mm-hmm. and just making sure that it's it's a program that is not doesn't have that attitude mm-hmm. towards it and that is something that is realistically um, like a pipeline into the company yeah. or has has boundaries so that things don't drag on for too long no I think that's really I think that's really good and it's really important to look into that um because I think it's hard when you're in that like early stages and especially where it's like your next step is a trainee program and you know like you know if you're looking at one that is you know I don't know like the class might be I don't know say like 20 girls but actually they tend to maybe only take one girl if any Mm -hmm. or two from the trainee program um into the company well then what happens to the other 18 they're all paying a large fee to train and sure you get experience and you know it can be really great but at the end of the day especially if there's no cap on it what like what essentially is I don't know like I think it can just get easy to become to get in a cycle of I don't know it's really hard and that's something that I've thought about because I finished a pre-professional program at the beginning of COVID like it ended early in you know because of COVID and then I decided to train at home because I was like I I mean of course I have still so much to learn as a dancer and but I didn't feel that I didn't feel that going back into like a school environment was the right thing for me like I really needed to try and get a job um and so that's what I did and then I mean thank god I got one over Christmas but it was only short but like it goes through my head all the time to like oh do I go back and do a pre-professional program just to stay in training and then I'm like Mm -hmm but what is that actually giving me like would it be better for me to train private to like do private training and do as much open class as I can because otherwise it I feel like I'm going back to school and I've I've done enough years in school like I don't want right. to be like oh like I'm a but like that's not coming from like a big headed like oh I don't have to go back to school I would love to have a teacher telling me correcting me every day but the school environment as a whole is not something I don't want to have to go back and pay for that, but it's difficult. It can be, I think it just can be difficult to get to, I don't know. I'm sure people feel that like, Oh, okay. I've been given this trainee program. And then my next thing is also a trainee program. And then you're kind of floating between training I think that can be quite hard and I think I think there's more dancers out there that are experiencing that than we I don't know than I know probably um but I think they can be like they have their benefits absolutely but I also think that they're I don't know yeah I think it's it's how long do you wait for the paid position yeah how like how long do you stick it out Mm -hmm. and um you don't want to stick it or I, I don't know I've I've heard some stories of some people sticking it out for a while and finding success mm-hmm. but I'm sure there's a lot that haven't mm-hmm. and especially coming from 
a small studio and not knowing much about the about like the nature of mm. certain programs or others or second companies um it's easy to just take the first thing that comes to you yeah and just be like oh my gosh like and you don't necessarily think critically about it and mm-hmm. that is what I'm so grateful that my teacher made sure that I yeah. did like she made sure that I was applying for places that would feed into companies with unions mm-hmm. and companies that had good decent salaries and that the programs were like would not be the sort of just a money maker Mm -hmm. and so I really felt like she was watching out for me in that Mm -hmm. and helped me make better informed decisions Mm -hmm. and I think that's really difficult for people that are coming out of not having gone to professional ballet school Mm -hmm. is you just don't really know or maybe you don't have the connections or you're your teachers aren't as familiar necessarily with different places and how they are. And maybe you just take the first thing that comes to you and maybe that's great, but maybe it's maybe, you know, there was, there would have been a different place that would have been more beneficial. Mm. And I think that's, that's difficult to make a decision on when you feel like you don't know what you're doing Mm. and you're just, you're just trying to get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still like, like you are allowed to be critical mm. of certain programs, even if you feel like you don't have any, have like much to your name kind of mm. in terms of LA experience. Like for me, I was sort of, I felt like I just coming from a, a small school and not dancing full, full, full time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to take what I can get and anything will be amazing. Mm. And, I'm so grateful for the things that I have gotten, Mm -hmm. but thankfully I've been in the position that I can choose between options. Mm. You don't just have to take, if you have the ability to have options, like you're, I've been lucky enough that I'm able to think critically about my options, Mm. just sort of jumping the gun and, and not thinking too much about the future. Mm. No, it's great. I mean, yes, if you can have options, that's can be really good. And I think, like you were saying, I guess having someone who is looking out for you in terms of kind of just like guiding you and where to apply, but also what things you should be looking for, maybe things not like kind of like stay mm-hmm. clear, um, is really valuable. And yeah, no, I think, I mean, that's great. And that's. I mean, that's what we want from a mentor because I think it's so easy to, yeah, I think especially if you are someone who maybe gets offered a lot of stuff, not saying like, oh, you get offered a lot of stuff, but like I guess some people will, like some people will have options and some people won't and that's Mm. okay. That's the nature of the fact that ballet is, um, what do you call it? It's kind of like personal preference, am I? feel like I'm using that's not the phrase I'm looking for subjective that's what I'm right like ballet is so subjective so there will be dancers who will be given offer multiple offers and there'll be dancers that will just be given one um and that's that's just the way that's always how it will be like there's literally there's no way there's, we, that's just always how it will be and it will be different at different points of your life as well like there'll be dancers that 
when they were younger, things would be coming through, flying at them. And then when they're mm-hmm. older, like they might go through a phase of like nothing, things were a bit dry. And then they might hit, like, it's just, and I think that's another thing with, I guess, when it comes to, oh, okay, like how long should I be going for? Or like, how long do I keep pushing at something that even if it feels like it's not giving back, I, in that sense, is kind of, is just knowing that at different stages of your life, you're just going to have different amount of opportunities and that's completely normal. Yeah. And I was just, when you were just mentioning that, like um, when I was younger, like I, I was never the kid that like was offered like so many scholarships or won all the competitions Mm -hmm. or like I, up until this year, I, I didn't feel like I'd really won much. Mm -hmm. Like I, I never, I, up until this year, I'd never really gotten a scholarship in my life. I, I had never, I was never like, I don't know, like, um, not that companies like fight over students, but not someone that all these places were like, oh my gosh, come here, come here, come here. Mm -hmm. Like there was a lot of rejection and a lot of, um, like, like, yeah. And like not winning all the medals and Mm -hmm. getting, all of the parts and stuff and Mm -hmm. and so then when you finally get that first thing you're like oh my gosh like Mm -hmm. this has never happened like Mm -hmm. and you get so excited and it's a bit um not to I don't know about demoralizing but it's it's a reality check when like maybe you realize that the the first option you were given is maybe not the best one and or I mean if you if you're given one option then Mm. of course that's a completely different situation Mm. Um, but I think it's like for people who have they haven't grown up like getting all of this attention or Mm. offers it's easy to get um over excited I guess and absolutely and that's one thing that I had to make sure I did because I was so not used to getting an offer. I mean, I didn't even know if I was going to get any offers this season. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I'll just go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like, I think having to criticize like something that may initially you get really excited about is hard, yeah. Yeah. but it's it's sometimes necessary. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one thing that I definitely had to deal with. And I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but on a more positive note, it's really rewarding, like, to have your hard work pay off. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, especially because, like, I compared myself a lot to people that had danced full time, mm-hmm. and had won all these awards and had gotten all these scholarships to summer programs. And I felt like I wasn't doing any of that. And I would think about it while I was doing my history notes. And I was like, what am I doing? Just, just here. Like, I just want to dance and I just want to give all of me to ballet. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I felt like if I was given that opportunity, maybe I would get more of these like offers or awards or scholarships or 
all of that. And that made it really difficult to stay with school because I felt like I was missing out on the opportunity to Mm -hmm. increase my chances of those things. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just everything shakes out differently for different people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this whole conversation about like just different paths it's so true that different paths can work out Mm. like great for different people um and like there's really no one way so um I'm I'm just grateful that this season was successful for me especially because of the hardships of COVID Mm. and dealing with with balancing school and and dance but um but I guess that's a more positive note that mm. is recently yeah. experienced. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I feel like going back onto, I mean, thought we'll quickly kind of mention it, like talk about, because I, I feel like what you were saying before is like you were like comparing yourself to dancers that were, you know, given scholarship, you know, winning things, um, getting scholarships, going off to like summer programs, like, doing all this stuff and I was just thinking I was like but at the end of like I feel like a lot of I mean so this is kind of I guess linking into social media because I guess before social media Instagram TikTok whatever we wouldn't know Mm -hmm. what other people are doing unless we were with them so like you wouldn't know what someone on the other side of the country would be doing and what they were getting offered unless you were at that some program with them and they were Mm -hmm. telling you really and I think, like, in terms of that, that cycle of comparison is really toxic because it will make you doubt the road that you're on. It will make you doubt every decision that you're making. Um, and then you kind of become a sheep and you feel like you need to go down this particular route to achieve this particular goal. But then I was just, another thought that came into my head was just, I feel like, and I wonder, I don't know, but like, does the goal change from like, is the goal to get as much stuff as you can? Like, does it become like, you know, I want to get, you know, say you got a YGP, is the goal like, I'm sure the goal is different for every dancer, but I wonder, is the goal to get as many scholarship offers as I can? Is the goal to get gold medal? Is the goal to improve my variation but the main goal is to get professional contract at the end like I like Mm -hmm. I don't know it's different for everyone but I think we can very when things in ballet are given things beside the art because the art of dance and the art of performing and the art of telling a story and connecting to the audience and the music and your body and just you know moving because you love the feeling of moving I think that gets with all these things that are then given value like roles medals the number of offers you receive where you receive them to and like I'm sure there's a lot of judgment about like you know oh you got into this summer intensive well I got into this like Mm. all this stuff like that um names and stuff like that all these things that are completely external to the art form are given so much value by whether that be dancers dance teachers mothers whatever it I feel like it completely distorts why people are doing it 
and it's like it's difficult to step out and be like hang on actually doesn't matter because like if you have your goal of going to one particular school and you're just working towards that and that's and you want to go to that school because it feeds into your company and obviously you know you have your options open because dreams happen at different times and that's okay but like I I I think it's just such a difficult thing and what we're seeing what I'm well I'm particularly I'm sure everyone's seen it but I I guess you know the I'm seeing it more on Instagram and more about people announcing what they've been offered and how much they've been offered or, you know, even like being offered where they're going for the summer or what's whether it's on scholarship and all these little details that five to 10 years ago, no one would have known what someone else was doing. And I, it really just breeds comparison because not everyone's, going to be in the same boat and then it kind of puts one experience above another and Mm -hmm. it's like oh well this is the experience I should be having but I'm not therefore I'm not going to make it or like I don't know I think it's so confusing and I don't know how even I struggle with it as someone who's like literally growing up with social media and can step out of it from the majority of time like I still find it hard to navigate like I'm still comparing myself to other people um but yeah <laughs> that was a yeah, little bit it, of a rant but I, I hope no, that makes sense go <laughs> like um no I I mean I agree with everything you've said I think like growing up in like I don't know ex- how it is in the UK mm-hmm. but um in the states like valley competitions have definitely become more of a thing like yeah. I've grown up and as also I've grown up with the development of like of social media and people's presences on social media, it has absolutely made me doubt my path because I would see people like in the studio working at like, let's say 10 a.m. And I'm sitting in a Spanish class at 10 a.m. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to be more successful than me. And like they're, and of course they're working so hard and they've dedicated so much of them, but it would make me think like, oh, should I like not be in school right now? Like, it, mm. it, you know, am I not going to be successful because I'm choosing a different path mm. or people's like, or seeing like people winning different or, or saying like, oh, it got scholarships from like this and this and this and this and this. Like, Listing it all out. It's like, like right. And like, right you for you. going. Like you only end up going to one place. Yeah, you or, can't go. Yeah. And like I I um and I'm excited to post like where I end up going next mm, year. Of course. For the year. It's a life, like it's a big life, life event. Life. Yeah. But I'm not gonna say like, oh, I was offered this and this and this and this, and then I finally chose this. Mm. Because the other things like, yeah, it's an achievement to get offered them, but it just breeds that competitive environment of like, mm. oh, they got they got offered, like I got offered, I don't know, like not me personally, but mm. a situation where like someone gets offered two scholarships and another person gets offered seven. Mm. But let's say they both go to the same school, both end up becoming professionals. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, did any of that really matter? Like, oh no, exactly. And I think, right. So for me, I've, especially this year, I've been trying to just keep my head as if 
my goal is to become the professional dancer. And if I achieve that, it doesn't matter how I, I did it. Like another person may achieve the exact same position with, I don't know, maybe in the same company, having won the awards and the scholarships and the recognition Mm. that, but they end up in the same place as someone who maybe hasn't gotten that, but the end is the same. And yes. And I can tell you that for a fact, (laughs) the end is pretty much the same. Yeah. And it's so easy, especially as a young dancer to get wrapped up in, Mm -hmm. in comparing paths Mm -hmm. because I think the hardest thing is even if you know the end is going to be the same, it's so easy to just think that your self-worth is or your worth as a dancer is defined Mm -hmm. as many awards you get or how many offers or roles or Mm -hmm. how much attention you get. Because like, again, like as you were saying earlier, ballet is so subjective. And so Mm -hmm. these competitions there, it's certain judges, like I've been to different I've competed the same pieces at different places and Mm -hmm. it just depends on who the judge is. And like, it's, it's really, it's difficult to try and compare yourself because the ground or I don't know, the the circumstances can be different. Mm -hmm. So you're not even going off the same baseline. Mm -hmm. And especially like, given the fact that I was doing a lot fewer hours of ballet than Mm. other people that I was competing against like yeah like makes sense maybe they're better at their variation because they practiced it for hours and hours more Mm. because they weren't going to high school from 8 a.m to 3 p.m like Mm. it's that has being able to take everything into account and put things in perspective Mm. is so important Mm -hmm. and it's so easy to lose sight of that and to have your the priorities just get blurred with social media and Mm -hmm. it affects the art form too like and the way you approach it because if you're approaching class of like um I don't know like oh I need to go really hard or if you're only going to class for like so that I can win this medal Mm. uh, or if you're approaching a competition I like to approach competitions as performance experiences Mm -hmm. and opportunities to get like possible, like, like networking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. More than the award, because even if let's say you do get the award, like goes on your resume, like you can be proud of the work that it Mm. took. But on the other hand, if you didn't get the award, you also worked really hard and like it's okay because there's there's things more valuable than a gold medal absolutely and and so that is so important to keep in mind but social media I think more than I think it's also comparing yourself to people that maybe have access to like the best photographers and get these beautiful like photo shoot Mm -hmm. pictures all the time and have a lot of opportunities or are afforded Mm -hmm. a lot of like attention by important people like Mm. it's so easy to to feel inadequate compared to them Mm -hmm. um and it's but I think what's really interesting that that I experienced was last summer I was 
in like like there were there was I was in like a summer intensive course where there's a mix of more people like me that are just like not that other people are normal people but like people that have not gotten all these accolades yeah and also people that have Mm -hmm. and of course the people that have are really good Mm. but it's like there are also people that haven't that are just as good and so it just it really doesn't determine as much as I think young dancers might make it out to determine but social media just has such a big impact in terms of your idea of success and um and I think it's it's a maturity thing that it takes um because I started I mean I was like 12 13 like Mm. compare starting to compare myself and it's taken me years to recenter my priorities and not let that impact my love for dance Mm. because I didn't want my love for dance to be impacted if I got a medal or not Mm -hmm. or because at the end of the day, you go back to class and you just enjoy the combinations that you're doing or you feel the artistry developing. Mm. And I think recently I've had a much, a really good experience with that of just enjoying class for what it is and not Mm. as like, not as anything else besides just the love of dance and the, the amazing feeling that it feels to like have your hard work pay off. Um, so that's my spiel on social media. Yeah. Um, I mean, completely agree. I think, I mean, quickly before we, I don't want (laughs) to go on for too much longer, but, um, I think, I guess from coming from someone who I guess has, you know, I've done auditions at like company auditions and I've, you know, just kind of come out from working with a company, um and I didn't go to a name school like I mean the only reason why anyone would know my school is if they saw the allegate about <laughs> this is so funny but saw the fact that it closed down because of um like sexual allegations <laughs> no it's fine oh it's fine I'm, jo- I'm I'm it's true but I'm like I'm I'm joking it's fine like I'm joking about um so like for me like I I always like I like I know that definitely names do matter on CVs like I know unfortunately they do I'm I am learning that um but at the same time like I was I was working in a company with people who had trained at like the best schools in the world um but we were all dancing together Mm-hmm. doing the same stuff and I was like and that was a really big moment for me kind of to re- like it was re- realizing that not that it doesn't matter where you train but at the same but there does come to a point where everyone eventually will work together it's not like at some point there'll be a point like where you will you'll work with people that have had completely different experiences to you have had you know have worked with some maybe really big names or have gone to really top schools um and then it kind of becomes a level playing field to a degree not going to say I was on the same technical like completely the same technical levels then that's fine there were also most of them were quite a lot older than me um but I mean that was obviously an incredible experience kind of 
seen been exposed to such like high levels um but I think what I guess like going back is that it is literally going to be different for everybody like there does you'll be dancing with people you can end up in the same space as someone who's won like every gold medal at one competition you know has gotten scholarships to some of the you know multiple scholarships and then there could be just you who's chilling um maybe hasn't won anything ever and that's also that's fine and you're both dancing together in the same company both in the core and you're both at the same level getting paid the same amount and at the end of the day you're literally from the artistic staff's point of view you're the same like in like from a like literally just I'm taking it really like surface level like on paper maybe on CV wise it's looking a bit different but when it maybe comes to castings if you're both a swan in the core you're both a swan in the core and that's okay like you've both had different experiences and that's that's something that I think we need to find more acceptance in is that just some of our experiences and journeys is going to be different from someone else's and that's okay like being able to feel okay in that and it's difficult to feel okay with that especially with you know what what we're exposed to on social media and that more and more people and I think we all fall into it is to kind of sharing like everything about what is going on in our lives and it's them can just become you know we just will compare each other to each other even if they're not coming from places of like oh I want to show off like it doesn't have to even you you don't of course you're proud of yourself you're proud of your work and you're sharing what you've achieved and that's amazing like go on like pop off I love like I love that right (laughs) and I think we all you know you should be proud of what you've achieved but at the same time just the way that you know a lot of these apps have been produced is that they have been kind of produced to I don't know how to it's hard obviously very hard to explain but they're produced to be addicting um Mm -hmm. the competitive nature on itself plus the competitive nature of the way social media has whether it be like likes followers numbers blah 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 it's just a breeding ground of kind of competition and comparison and it's like how do we yeah I don't know (laughs) but it's yeah like taking social media breaks can be something that I think that is definitely something I should try Mm. Um, unfortunately me just like so many other people are maybe a little addicted to social media yeah I mean I am but I've had yeah yeah, I've had to take my breaks I have had to you know prioritize prioritize my um little mental health and I'm we all have to and that's Mm -hmm. I mean it's yeah it's hard but we have you know we do have to Mm -hmm. kind of work out when we can when that works for us Mm -hmm. yeah and um yeah and I think like taking those sort of breaks and I I honestly wish I would have taken that break in the applying to college process and in the audition process Mm -hmm. because I think that would have made things easier so Mm. piece of advice maybe (laughs) for anyone listening maybe think about doing that because Mm -hmm. it'll probably make your experience better Mm -hmm. Uh, and especially like I think just applying to to ballet school kind of similar to applying to college Mm -hmm. like you just you never know what's going to happen what's going to shake out Mm -hmm. and 
like yeah just on my last bit I was just because um I think a lot of college stuff is coming out because all my peers are committing and it's really Mm -hmm. exciting but like you never know what's gonna happen like someone could get off the wait list for their dream school last minute and you both end up going to the same school yeah and like you, that happened actually to a kid recently like he was in the middle of school got a call he got off the waitlist for his dream school mm. and he had been through a lot previously and there were other people that had gotten in immediately but they're both going to the same school mm. and they're both going to have a great time and same thing with ballet like in terms of professional career it's just like keeping keeping the end goal in mind is yeah the end I think that's like so important and I think we can yeah we it's easy to lose sight of the end goal yeah the end goal and enjoying enjoying the process whatever that may be and I've had to learn that and like enjoy and for me at least enjoy the benefits I'm getting out of IB enjoy the time that I've that I'm spending in regular school mm-hmm. and realize like how much that can help me in a journey to professional ballet and not question my dedication to dance just because I chose to to follow a different path because like you because you know in your heart you're dedicated and we all are and every dancer that chooses to go to professional is dedicated and different paths don't one thing I've had to learn is different paths don't indicate whether you're more dedicated or not. It's just a personal circumstance that everyone has to work around. And like, if, if you achieve your end goal, it doesn't really matter how you did it. And as long as you enjoy the process and are, and find that, that love and that success, that personal definition of success at the end, Mm -hmm. that's just what really matters, I guess exactly um I feel like that's a perfect place to round off um today's episode thank you so much Carolina for coming on and just yeah being so open and honest we love it um just before we finish where can the listeners find you if they do want to follow you on social media yeah so um my ballet account is caro.ballerina on Instagram Mm -hmm. um did post more but I hopefully will (laughs) and yeah, go follow me. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. This was no really cool. That's okay. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for everyone who tuned into this week's episode. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. You can hear me same time next week. Um, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Bye. Hi, everybody. This is Nathaniel Dahlquist. I am an actor, dancer, and aerialist based in Los Angeles, California, and one of the guests that Rami has had on the Hardcore Podcast. If this podcast has meant something to you, and if you found your experience reflected in the guests that Rami has had on, it would really mean a lot in the spirit of artists helping out other artists if you could leave a review. Because when the podcast gets reviews, it can reach more people. And so if it's been meaningful to you, it would really help Rami send out her message to many, many more people if you could leave a review. And it would mean a great deal to me personally. Thank you so much. You are absolutely the best.